And that is a great example for us. We don't seek to oppose the devil in our own strength or in our own manner, but we quote, it is written. In fact, in that was display a demonstration that our Lord Jesus was not only sinless, but not able to sin. Now, some debate this point of our Lord Jesus, and the key word is impeccability. We may as well learn that word tonight. If you want to note that down, this is the doctrine that our Lord Jesus is not only capable not to sin, but he is totally incapable of actually sinning. Couldn't be done. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Welcome, and may the Lord bless you today. We come again to that amazing event where the Lord Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What a dirty deed. The wicked one could not help himself. He is so filled with venom and murder in his heart against the Son of God that when he was there in that wilderness, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Satan sought to take that opportunity when he thought our Lord would be vulnerable, when he may be weakest, and bring him to the point of defeat. But hallelujah, there the devil was defeated, and the Lord Jesus got the victory. Three times Satan attacked the Lord and tempted him to Uh, consider falling down, worshiping him, and uh, submitting to the devil for earthly gain and reward, but our Lord Jesus would have none of it. And that there are great biblical reasons and great theological reasons why the devil could never overcome the Lord Jesus. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Our Lord Jesus is infinite. He was never created. He is God in the flesh. Whereas Satan, well, he is that Lucifer, that uh, one who of creation was uh, the enemy of God and through pride set himself against God. But he can never overcome the Lord Jesus. And this is the hope of every Christian Every child of God, we take confidence that our Lord Jesus is our conqueror and our defeater. And when we come to face death, praise God that the sting of death is gone and Christ has triumphed for us. And so the Christian can say that we are on the victory side and that we are resting in the triumph of the Lord Jesus. Now, you need that triumph in your life. You need that victory in your life. You will live defeated. You will live as a fugitive all your days until you come and bow the knee to the Lord Jesus, 
calling on him to be your Lord and your Savior, and then you will enter into the victory. And I bid you today to listen up to this message, and may the Lord lead you to take refuge in the triumphant work of the Son of God. To sin. We know that to the Lord Jesus, sin was an abhorrent thing. The brighter the light, the darker the filth appears. You just drag your carpet out into the spring sunshine. And what looks reasonable in the light of the winter indoor world, well, you may be grieved if we really, really live with that for so long. It's wretched and rotten. What we think of sin and what our Lord Jesus thinks of sin, we have to magnify it over and over. There's one passage in Mark 7 where the Lord Jesus spoke about it's not what enters into the man, but what comes out of the heart. And the Lord goes through a list of sins. And if you dare to turn to that, Mark 7, 7, 18, he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding? Also, do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Now, this is in context of the Jews worried about eating with unwashed hands. I think there might be a few farmers amongst us here. How many times have we eaten with unwashed hands? You're out in the field. You don't have washing facilities there. The best you do is you rub them on your trousers, and you try and get as most of the dirt off as possible. And when you tuck into those white sandwiches, you've got the thumbprint of the dirt right on them. And you eat it all up. And the Lord said, It's not what entereth into the man that defileth him. It's what comes out of the heart of man. Let's read on here. Verse 19, Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all means. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth a man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. And that's us tonight. That's us tonight. When we speak of the sinlessness of the Lord Jesus, never think that means that he was blind to sin, that he lowered the standard. No, in the heart of the Lord, the all-seeing eye of the Lord, he saw what was coming out of men's hearts, thoughts. Very searching, very searching. And this is a composite list that, that defines the, the depravity the darkness of our natures. It's the thought life of man. And the Lord addressed those things. But these things were never in the heart of our Lord. Another key text that I need to give you is Hebrews seven twenty six. This is very important. If you're going to stand on this truth, if you're going to worship a sinless Savior, you need to know Hebrews seven twenty six. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled. See the difference from the list in Mark 7 of the defilement of man, what comes out of his heart? Our Lord Jesus was undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heaven. And of course, these are great revelations of the character, the sinlessness 
of our Lord Jesus. Now, there are many other statements that are made by the Lord that He Himself declared that He was sinless. John 14, 30, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. That means the devil couldn't find anything in the nature of the Lord Jesus by which he could bring him down. Does anybody camp during this convention time? Anybody in a tent? Anybody living at a campfire and cooking on an outdoor stove, trying to get that wood to light up? Well, you need kindling. You need something that's going to take that first spark to light the campfire. When the devil comes against our Lord, there's nothing in him. There is nothing that will respond to the evil intentions and temptations of the Son of God. Oh, I wish that we could say that about ourselves. I wish that we could say that there is absolutely nothing in us that responds to the suggestions of the world and all the, the temptations and allurements of the world. We need the cleansing blood. We need deliverance from sin. But our Lord Jesus, there was nothing that so responded. Satan would have loved to find a fault in the Lord Jesus, but he could not. Tell you someone else that wanted to find a fault in the Lord Jesus, and that was Judas. Judas, who betrayed the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He went out from that first communion service. It was night, and he betrayed the Lord. And then he regretted it. What a tragedy Judas was. And he went to the Jewish leaders, and he said, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Now, Judas was a wannabe traitor. If he had, could have found anything in the life of the Lord, and he was close to him. He was one of the disciples, undetected for all of those years. And yet in his heart, the guilt was so powerful. He knew that the Lord Jesus was innocent, and that his betrayal of him was terrible wickedness. Hear the testimony also of Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21. What a testimony. The testimony of Peter, 1 Peter 2.22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Such was the Lord's life. The supernatural birth produced a supernatural person who lived a supernatural life. He did no sin. And that brings us to his atoning blood, the blood that washes away our sin. It is the blood of the spotless lamb. In the Old Testament economy, a lamb that was brought for sacrifice needed to be without spot or blemish. It was inspected by the priest before it was offered up. And our Lord Jesus was such a sacrifice. And we're told in Hebrews 7, 25, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up him. So you have a supernatural sinless person offering up his body once, perfect 
sinless, pouring out his blood to wash away the sins of his people, your sins and mine. And because there is no sin in him, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. I'll give you one more text, 1 Peter 1.19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a Lamb, without blemish and without spot. If there had been one sin in him, one blemish, his death on the cross as an atoning sacrifice would fail. There would have been no virtue, no value, no acceptance by a holy God. But we stand upon this firm rock of absolute confidence and certainty that our Lord Jesus was that sinless Savior. And all that he did for us at Calvary has all the merit and power of his sinless life. And when we feel the weight of sin, its curse, its guilt, its shame, what do we do? We don't try to cover it up. We don't try to hide it. We run to the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Have you done that? Is that your testimony tonight? I'm only a sinner, but I have a sinless Savior, and His blood avails for me. Now, atonement means to cover over. Sinless blood covers over sin. But if you flip the coin and make it sinful blood, it's powerless, impotent. Now, Jesus' blood has not only got cleansing power, it has presenting power. When we come to glory... The Lord is going to present us to the Father without spot and without blemish. He's going to say, Father, here are the people from whom I died. Here are the sinners for whom I lived a perfect life and for whom I died and gave my body and my blood. Receive them, Father. And that will be our entrance into glory with full acceptance. And of course, this is the secret of the gospel, the blood of our sinless Savior. And I believe that this is the secret of our ministry. Any church that will preach the blood and preach and stand and defend the blood atonement of a sinless Savior, God will work in power. This is what builds churches. This is what enables missionaries to go to a lost world and preach the gospel. And any ministry that neglects or denies the blood will build nothing. They'll do nothing. And sadly, around the world, there are churches that were once built on the preaching of the sinless Savior whose blood cleanses from sin, and they want to rip out the hymns out of the hymn book about the blood. It's today's great tragedy. And I wouldn't advise you to go to any church that neglects or denies the blood atonement of a sinless Savior. There may be religion there. There may be ceremony there. There may be earthly peace there. But there will be no gospel and no power. And God wants us to know. Remember, this is a display. This whole drama is a display. God, by His Spirit, led His Son into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil because He wants us to know the outcome. And we get to join the angels 
in their praise of the Son of God. Now, I could speak of the resurrection that proves his sinlessness. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is... That's why death could not hold our Lord Jesus. That's why no man could hold him in the tomb. He rose again in victory because he was sinless. And, of course, his heavenly ascension into heaven. No no sin will enter heaven. No sin will remain there where the saints sing night and day, holy, holy, holy. But I want to close with this tonight. No one could worship a Savior who was spotted with sin. You can't do it. You can't get down on your knees or prostrate yourself and give your heart to a person who has sinned. You can't do it. He's not worthy of your service or your adoration. And it is the sinlessness of our Lord Jesus is the reason that we're attracted to him. It's the reason that we love him. It's the reason that we praise him, that we're willing to spend and be spent for him because he is worthy. I flicked through the hymn book today looking for a hymn to express some of the sentiment, and it's it's difficult to find the right one. But I did something else. I turned to the book of Song of Solomon. And if you will turn with me to Song of Solomon, chapter 5, it's just before the book of Isaiah, Song of Solomon 5 and verse 9. And here you have the spouse who is deeply in love with the groom, a picture of the church and Christ. And in Song of Solomon 5, verse 9, it says, What is thy beloved more than another beloved? O thou fairest among women, what is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? In today's terms, it would be, what's all this talk about the Lord Jesus? What is this frenzy, this obsession that Christians have with this Son of God, this man called Jesus? What is all this attention and time-giving and money-spending and missionary-going, all about spreading the news of the name of the Lord Jesus? What is the attraction to Him? What is it that causes us to bend our knee and worship Him day and night? What is it that makes Him so beloved? Well, verse 10, my beloved is white and ruddy. He's pure. He's holy, and we worship him in the beauty of holiness. Isn't that great language? The beauty of holiness. That's what worship must be. And the one who makes that possible is the sinless, pure, spotless Son of God. If there was one stain, one blot on his garments, we couldn't bow the knee to him. Verse 11, his head is, sorry, I didn't finish verse 10, did I? My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among ten thousand. He is special. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly. His cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flower. 
his lips like lilies. Earlier in this Song of Solomon, the author said, Kiss me with the kisses of thy mouth. How could you kiss one who is filthy or defiled? He is therefore beautiful, desirable, the lover of our souls, because he is pure. We'll go to verse 16. His mouth is most sweet. There's intimacy here. There is a closeness and a delight in the person of the Savior. And then the bride says, he is altogether lovely. And we can say that tonight because he's sinless. And he's the only one of whom we can say this. All the other founders of religions in the world corrupt and die under the power of sin and death. But our Lord Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell, and triumphed for us. And to the believer, yes, he is altogether, there's nothing in him to find fault. Do you agree with that? And then it says, this is my beloved. Are you in love with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus? Has he ravished your heart so that he is the lover of your soul? You know, the old preachers and Christians talked and wrote, preached and sang on these terms. Samuel Rutherford, Andrew Bonner, Murray McShane. You get any of those books out there on, on, with those authors, you will be led into expressions of the Christian's delight in the Savior who is altogether loved. Do you love him tonight? Have you bowed the knee? If he wasn't sinless, I wouldn't dare ask you. But there is no spot in him. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. What a Savior we have tonight. And he loved us before we were even born. He loved us when he was in Gethsemane. And it was the love of his church and his people that he withstood the hellish forces of Satan. He sweated great drops of blood in agony. And the angels came to strengthen him. It was love for which he set his face as a flint to the cross. And when they stripped him naked and crowned him with thorns, he was silent as a lamb to the slaughter. He loved us. And in his sinless, pure, undefiled body, he offered up himself to the Father, a sinless sacrifice. And he paid it all. He loved us. And we love him because of him. I dare say tonight we have thought way too little of our Lord Jesus. Too little of who he is, what he has done. Too little of his love for our soul. After this meeting, would you pray before you sleep tonight, Lord, fill me with your love, your spirit. And Lord, I'm taking you as my sinless Savior. And I assure you, you will say with Solomon, he is altogether are you saved? You just ask any Christian here tonight, are these things real in your heart? Do you not have this witness in your heart? They'll tell you. They may tell you something like this. I do, but I want more. That's the Christian's cry. This is the anomaly. We're satisfied, but we're not fully satisfied. What we have tonight, we want more. And we sing those hymns, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. 
to thy precious wounded son. More about Jesus would I know. That's the spirit of the born-again, blood-washed Christian, because they have discovered that he is altogether lovely. May the Lord bless you tonight and bless his word to your heart. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If I can be of personal help, I want to be here for you. You can call me. You can write me, email me, send a message through our website, ltbs.ca. I have in my book here, that hand here, that little booklet, A New Beginning. And one of the sections is on dealing with problems. And it says, the devil often uses all his wiles to discourage and defeat God's people. Here are some of the things that discourage Christians. In each case, we can overcome discouragement and live effectively for God. One is this world is no friend of Christ. It opposed and crucified him. Small wonder then if it opposes us who serve Christ. This book goes on to say, instead of becoming discouraged by opposition, we should ask God for grace to bear it as the early Christians did, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Acts 5.41 Remember, though we may suffer opposition, we are on the winning side. No matter who opposes us, God is for us. Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? Some Christians are discouraged through worry, and others fall into some defeat and despair, or maybe some sin. But praise God, there's restoration for the true Christian. There is cleansing in Jesus' blood, and the Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I'd like to send you this little booklet. It's called A New Beginning, and it's free of charge for one copy. If you'd like to have 10 copies, it'll cost you $25, and that will cover the meal and cover the cost here for us at Let the Bible Speak. So send for one copy or for 10 the booklet called A New Beginning. And may the Lord bless you in your Christian life and lead you into victory, lead you into blessing, and encourage you more and more as you seek to live for God in this evil world, a world where the devil seeks to work havoc. But praise God, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so, May the Lord bless you more and more through Let the Bible Speak. And I trust you'll join us again tomorrow as we open the Bible and as we let the Bible speak. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.